Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom and ExpressVPN. I'm Simona Rochefort, Senior Video Producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Advocate at Microsoft, and soon to be taken from us to host Microsoft Build next week. Yup, that's exactly right. I will be uh, not here next week. Um, I Usually I try to like do rocket if build is taking place next week there's just no way uh because i i'm doing like a late shift and i've got uh, pre-records and a bunch of other things so i i just like called it early i was like yep nope we're not gonna do it maybe we should keep an eye on you and do our like where in the world is christina warren um <laughs> that would be fun that would be fun i'll try it uh brianna is still on vacation this week good for her we're into it um, we're so, so we're super into it. And that means for you, dear listeners, another chaotic episode <laughs> yes. of Christina and Simone. I already have a title for this one. <laughs> it's clickbait. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Love it. gosh. We're going to take you through a smorgasbord of topics. And yet most of them are still Apple related. But most importantly, our, our first one, our little top of the show update is not. So... I would just like to take a moment to say rest in peace uh, to Christina's Doge Dreams, which died this week. Mm-hmm. When well, today, all of, uh, today, Wednesday, but, as we record uh, Christina, this, Christina, it's been dying for a week at no, least. No, it came back. No, it came back on Saturday. Like it was, I was back up like fifteen hundred dollars on Saturday. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I feel like every time I log into Twitter. I see a tweet of you posting the graph and saying, my Doge dreams are dead. <laughs> yeah, but now Although this I time... will say the last one I looked at did show like a steep drop and then a climb back up to where you were, but then it's another steep drop. Right. To give the, the broader view, uh, several cryptocurrencies have plummeted in value this week. Uh, Bitcoin fell 50% and Ethereum and Dogecoin also fell. Uh, Reuters has pinned the blame on two notable events. One was Elon Musk tweeting that because of ecological concerns, Tesla will no longer accept Bitcoin as payment. And the other was the Chinese government banning financial firms that deal in crypto. Uh, So as a consequence of that, Christina's dreams are dead but she was just doing it for the meme, so it's okay. Coinbase's shares, uh, they just had their IPO. Their shares have also dropped below the initial offering of $250. Um, And I don't know. It's all a mess. It's a big mess. It shows the volatility of cryptocurrency. I, As I was saying to you, Christina, before we started recording, I have this as like a little update at the top of the show because I honestly am not convinced i don't think this is a death knell for crypto by any means i wouldn't be surprised if next week it was like lol it's worth (laughs) like christina's made two thousand dollars again because i just i can't predict how it will behave yeah i mean okay part of me feels like i i totally missed the the height of the doge thing um i should have sold when i was able to sell it for 70 cents i i was busy with the baby in my arms to be honest if i hadn't been I would have sold at 70 cents. Like that would have been the thing. The way that Robinhood works, it doesn't have it super easy to like sell to sell at certain like points. Like they will let you sell if it drops below a certain thing, but I wasn't really able to figure out like if it reaches a certain thing, if you can execute a sell order. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those things that you you probably can, but 
I just couldn't really be bothered with it. Robin Hood kind of sounds like a pain in the butt. I know uh, we've, massive, we've criticized them before uh, after oh, the whole GameStop thing. Majorly criticized them, but the the issue has been uh, that you couldn't buy it in the United States really through any other place. Um, Binance, which is the biggest cryptocurrency like exchange, does not work with with Doge in the United States. You would need to use a foreign account. I'm not doing that. I'm like I know some people who would like oh we'll just lie about you know, where you live information. Yeah, we're not doing that game. I'm also, there were some other exchanges that just seemed real sketchy that I was like, I don't want to give my bank account or other information Mm to. Mm -hmm. This is something we're not using ExpressVPN for. Right. And and Coinbase um, did announce last weekend, so this is when it rebounded. They were like, yeah, we are going to be adding Doge support. Now, that's actually a big deal uh, because it, it legitimizes Doge in a way that if Coinbase one of the biggest um, exchanges says they are actually going to support it, then that means you could actually buy and own the pieces mm. on the blockchain. The way that the the Robinhood works is that you basically give Robinhood money, they buy the Doge, they own that on the blockchain, and then they just give you whatever the value is whenever you sell it. Okay. Um, so, so like I can't take it and put it in another wallet, for instance, right? Like it's just it, – it's – um, I, I'm, I'm treating it kind of like a commodity, and, and also it's not FTIC insured. There's a whole bunch of things with it that are that are, are not recommended. Uh, Coinbase is is a is a little bit different, and and I think um, if you were looking at a long term investment, a better thing. I think if you're doing like a short term investment, actually Robinhood is probably superior because you don't have to pay the various like for Bitcoin, for instance. Um, there are a lot of fees associated with executing a trade, and mm-hmm. um, when you buy it to actually own pieces of the block, you have to pay that that fee for for, uh, for it to execute. Uh, whereas if you buy it on Robinhood, you're basically buying the spot price. But again, you don't own the coin. It's not going to be in your own wallet, uh, meaning that you could conceivably trade it or use it in in a non, like, mm-hmm. I'm exchanging this for USD kind of way. And you have less um, granular control over when you sell. Exactly. Exactly. So, so there, there are some upsides to, to the way Robinhood does it, but there are downsides. I think if it's a long-term investment. So, the fact that Coinbase is adding support—that was why it then went back up last week. It didn't go as high as it was before Saturday Night Live, but it, it went back up quite a bit. Now, the whole sphere has just like plummeted, mm-hmm. and this is the biggest loss we've seen since 2017 in crypto. Although, notably, crypto is still up. Like, like Bitcoin itself is still up. Like more than double. Yes, what I actually have was. those numbers because they were at the bottom of the article, and I was like, "Oh, that's really interesting," and paints quite a different picture. So Bitcoin uh, neared a sixty-five thousand dollar all-time peak in April. That's compared to four thousand dollars in March twenty twenty. So right. even though it's plummeting now and has plummeted fifty percent, like it's still a huge difference. Like that's it's it's barely comparable to last year. Yeah, no, n- not even that. But if you look at the last time that, that the market crashed, which was at the end of 2016 um, or early 2017, I think that the high it had hit then was like $21,000. And mm-hmm. then it dipped into like the the seven $8,000 range. So even if you look at like what its past dip was, that was still like even, even its lowest point, it, it dropped to, you know, about – 30,000 briefly and then like 35,000. It was still nearly double what its previous all-time high had been the last time we saw the boom bust happen, right? Yeah. So 
uh, for, for the long-term investors, it's not a big deal. What's interesting this time, as you mentioned, um, the Elon Musk, you know, his continued involvement and in what his tweets are does move the market. But I think the bigger things we've seen has been that the Chinese government saying that they are banning um, companies from from being involved in crypto. They've done this before, but now they're ramping up their invest, like their, um, I guess, enforcement. And they because they, mm-hmm. they 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 go back and forth on how they're going to enforce this. This is notable because so much of the blockchain, both the hashing power and like meaning the mining power, people who are doing these really big networks are based in China, and also a huge amount of like the the um, coin ownership itself are, are owned uh, are, are people who are based in in China, and so if the government is then saying we're going to enforce these fintech companies not being able to, you know, use cryptocurrency. And when like, let's just be honest, a large portion of how, okay, how do I say this? It (laughs) certainly appears that many people who are currently exploiting and using like these crazy gains that we've seen with crypto over the last six months, it certainly appears as if some of those things could look like money laundering. Okay. okay? So if you, it, let's it just say- smacks of money, money laundering, money yeah. laundering. I mean, to me it does, right? And I'm not saying that it is, but but it certainly appears that way. It certainly seems like the NFT thing, like all that stuff just is like classically smells of it. So if you're just say you're like a, a rich person who's in China, who has a bunch of crypto and your traditional ways of laundering money out of the country- buying U.S. real estate uh, that's been thwarted in, in some ways that's been made more difficult. That was actually one reason why the, mm-hmm. the housing bubble in certain markets in the United States, uh, again, pre-pandemic stuff, but that was why that like went crazy for a little bit. People would buy houses in cash who didn't even live in the country or, or uh, you know, like yeah. visit there. Um, or if you're you know investing heavily into crypto, if the government is now saying we're actually going to enforce our laws against people doing stuff with it, that's going to make it a lot harder for you to launder that cash. Okay. So- so this is my theory. So that I think is why, you know, then people are going to be like, okay, well, we need to try to like get out of this if if we're not going to be able to, to stay in it longer term. Um, and, and that affects the volatility of stuff. But not only that, even if you were taking, even if there was no money laundering looking stuff happening, if a significant amount of your hashing power and of your holdings are now in a country that is saying we're banning or we're going to be enforcing our rules against cryptocurrency – that's a negative thing for cryptocurrency in general. Okay. So that that maybe will have some long-term effects that we have not maybe. necessarily seen the results of yet. But we'll find out. We'll find out, yeah. Because I will say what happened before when they did this, it did affect things. And then the government, like, because it's, it's China's going to China, like, it, they change their minds about what they enforce and what they don't. So we'll see. But yeah, uh, this could be longer. It just—it's all crazy right now. And and also, also, these things are always in boom bust cycles. I knew, as you said, I bought this for the meme. I really was hoping to pay for that iMac with the with and the your dirge. nephew's college. <laughs> I, I, mean, I think that was tossed around as a potential idea by other people, not by me. Okay, okay. I'm not paying for his college. Idea. Are you kidding me? By the time that kid graduates from college, college is going to be a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm not doing that. <laughs> He's 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 gonna have to go to a state school, or he's gonna have to like get really good grades. Hey, maybe we'll have player. universal education by then. Uh, all right, let's move on to the, <laughs> the iMac review. But first, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom from Solar Winds. 
Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how targeted your marketing content or how sleek your website is, they will bounce if a page is loading too slow. But with real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance affects your visitors' experience so that you can take action before your business is impacted, all for as low as $10 a month. Whether your visitors are dispersed around the world or across browsers, devices, and platforms, Pingdom helps you identify bottlenecks, troubleshoot performance, and make informed optimizations. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it is built for scalability. This means that you can monitor millions of page views, not just sampled data, at an affordable price. Get live site performance visibility today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required, and then... When you're ready to buy, use the code ROCKET at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash RelayFM. And then the code ROCKET at checkout. Thank you so much, Pingdom, from SolarWinds for your support of this show and RelayFM. I feel like I finally got a different ditty going this time. I think you did. I was going to say, this seems like a little bit different. It's good. I like it. Yeah, my jingle. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, iMac reviews are here. 24-inch M1 iMac reviews are out in the wild. And they are very interesting. So my, my biggest takeaway from reading this is that this is a very good machine, a very good iMac, but it is still not a pro machine. No. Um, And Verge actually compared it to the 13-inch M1 MacBook Pro. They basically said it's like the desktop form of that. So they tested it um, running some hardcore programs and exporting a 4K video. And apparently that 4K video did export faster than the MacBook Pro and faster than a Windows computer with integrated graphics. But if you're doing more intense graphics work or editing in 4K or 8K or presumably I'm mean, doing programming work, although they didn't talk about that, it's probably not the machine for that. What it is, is a very fast, very efficient home desktop uh, for right. streaming, for emailing, for writing, for all of that kind of stuff. And it it still makes me very, very interested in the machine that being said, it does feel like for me, like as a person who's working in video on the um, older iMac model, the 2015 iMac model, and then the 2015 MacBook Pro, what I really look for is to have a MacBook Pro for kind of lighter or quicker editing tasks, mm-hmm. which it seems like the M1 MacBook Pro would be perfect great for, at. but then an additional more powerful machine. So like when I'm exporting, when I'm like working entirely in After Effects and doing lots of graphics work, then I hop onto that and I do my thing. Um, So this, this seems like a very, very, very good machine for what it is. Right. But not for what it's not. Yeah. No, I think you're right. (laughs) There's Um, my profound statement. 
yeah, I mean, basically, this is not like the this is not like the twenty seven inch iMac, and and I don't even think we need to include like the iMac Pro in that because frankly, I don't think we're gonna see. I I hope we don't see an iMac Pro again. I think the iMac Pro was a stopgap. Get out of here. That was literally <laughs> that was literally we've had this trash can around for all these years, and people hate it, and we aren't even we're now at the planning stages for the actual Mac Pro, and we need something that professionals are not going to forget about. So we put a Xeon in the 27-inch chassis and and made some other changes uh, mm-hmm. so that it could handle the heat the way that it needed to. Um, so I, I don't anticipate that we'll see that again. But like the 27-inch iMac that I got last year, the 2020, had a 10-core processor, had a, um, a you know, a 5700 XT uh, uh, Pro uh, GPU uh, with 16 gigs of RAM on the GPU alone, you know, had a, a max RAM of 128 gigabytes, you know, it was actually a very powerful machine. Um, and so it's way more powerful than like what the M1 can do, like certain tasks, the M1 is going to be faster at because it's better optimized for that. But like for video editing mm-hmm. and things like that, like, it's just not a question, but we don't have like the M1 equivalent of that yet, right? So yeah. that I think, which is which is what you would want. Like that's what you would want the Verge to get for you. You would want them to get you another yeah, like, high and powerful the Verge, machine. That's what I would want the Verge to get for me. Well, Polygon, uh, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> no, sorry. Okay. That's funny. Look, right, we're talking about a Verge review. You're all look. It all comes out of the same budget somewhere. Not anymore, it all comes Christina. From Jim there's a money. pandemic on. Come on, I'm working. I've been working from home for a year. Get with I it. Know. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, like, Jim Bankoff is signing the, signing off on the check either way. So That's uh, true. With his I, own I, so hand. I, I'm just, so so I'm, I'm sorry about uh, the getting getting your employer wrong, which I know your employer. I'm I will say, I'm just briefly speaking about what this yeah. beautiful, beautiful machine does, I truly wish that I uh, – like, if I could afford to buy this for myself – Mm-hmm. I want it because one of the things that people were saying is it's light enough that you can actually move it around your house. Yeah. And for a person like me who, even though I have a sort of cobbled together work from home setup right now, that's it's not ideal. It's not normal. Having a machine like this that is beautiful and fast that I can kind of set up in different areas around my house I actually really like the sound of that. Yeah, I know what yeah. I'm describing is a laptop or my iPad on no, the Magic Keyboard. No, however, no, <laughs> no, no, I get it. See, this is why I'm buying one. Not, it's, yeah. it's not going to be as powerful as my supercomputer that I built or my iMac uh, that I already have. This is like purely uh, the aesthetics. I have to have the pink iMac and exactly what you said. Like, so what I always wanted the iMac G4 for, which was like the famous design iMac with like that would look like it was on the lamp, you know, it just was stood yeah. up like on uh, had the articulating head, like the best iMac design ever. Um, my friend Ted described it when I was uh, in college. He was like, "Oh, that'd be such a good kitchen computer." Oh. And I was like, "And I was like, oh my god, you're you're right." And, like he was like, "I want I want to get a condo and I want to like have one of those in in the kitchen." And I was like, "Hot damn, that is a great." idea and i've always kind of wanted that that's the thing like for some reason when i picture this computer i'm not in my apartment i'm in like a bungalow in la a place i don't even want to live and i've like moved it out to my porch (laughs) right 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 that's what (laughs) i'm saying my kitchen i don't know i don't know you guys am i nuts um additional thoughts on it so we had talked about the colors before 
I love the colors. I think they're incredible. Um, but Bri- one of Brianna's uh, objections was the red is gorgeous, but then on the front of it, there is she didn't like the, the pink. Yeah, the, it's basically pink. Uh, before you get to the bezels, and Jason Snell in his review on Six Colors pointed out that like when you are facing the computer, the visual effect you have is seeing the brightly colored stand on the edges of your vision and this sort of fading in of the lighter color and then the gray and black bezel. And that it apparently looks really nice and like enables you to kind of hone in on the beautiful screen, which is incredible, apparently. Um, So I actually, I have not experienced that for myself with my own eyes, but I found that to be a very interesting observation. Yeah, I I can't wait. I'm hoping to go to an Apple store. Uh, I don't know if they'll like, you can do pickups there. So I might have to like buy something just so I can go to an Apple store and pick it up in store so I can look at the IMAX in person to see because I haven't ordered mine yet. I um, because I'm gonna be going out of town right after build next week. And I just need to like, uh, make sure that I'm gonna be around like so I can uh, place it and, and do all the stuff that I need to do on that end. Um, I justine unboxed all the colors and oh. on her YouTube channel. And that was really fun. And they all look really, really good. I'm committed to getting the pink one because it's pink. But that purple looks so hot. Like, it really does. Mm-hmm. Like, that purple looks great. That orange looks good. Uh, all, all the It's interesting because I've, I've been trying to, like, figure out, like, I think that from what I can tell, she's the only reviewer who got all the colors so that she could do the unboxing and then they've they've kind of um, you know given uh, various colors like the blue they've given to, to some people they've given some people purple Jason got the orange um, I think the Verge got the orange and um, uh, the blue mm-hmm. um, so yeah I I'm, I'm interested in all this I don't know if anybody got the silver maybe the guy from from <laughs> C, maybe the guy from CNBC who complained about how the colors were ugly maybe right. they could have gotten him the, the 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 silver who knows yeah but yeah I'm 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 into it. Um, and we'll we'll see, but like like you said, like this is this is a home computer. Like this is yeah. in a lot of ways, what was fun about this, and this is what I liked about Jason Snell's review, is that he drew so many allusions to the old Bondi Blue iMac, and also you know the ones they used to do in different colors, which were like home computers. Um, mm-hmm. They also and and I love this or school like, computers for some of oh, us. Oh, absolutely, school computers. This would be a fantastic. Well, yeah, I used iMacs in school. Um, uh, in in high school. Um. Well, elementary school since I'm 29. No. Um, anyway, <laughs> the the neat thing uh, I will say was all the attention to detail on the color matching stuff, like the fact that they have like the color matched cables, even like the oh, charging the cables. Cables, Christina, I love the cables so much. Um, so yeah. it has not MagSafe, but a magnet attachment in the back that is like very chunky looking, and I think it looks so lovely. Uh, but you have reminded me of one of the things that I, I feel like is kind of a downside of this computer, though not necessarily surprising, which is, of course, the uh, more expensive model is the one that has the Ethernet uh, port in, in, in the brick. Yes. And I feel like I would not – I would like to have that. I don't think that I would get this without an Ethernet port because I like having I that convenience. And that seems kind of disappointing to me. Yeah, I think the twelve ninety nine model, you can still, when you do the configuration, you could pay the extra $50 or something to get that brick or you could buy that brick separately or whatever. Okay. But but the twelve ninety nine model, it's it's weird because 
by all intents and purposes, the difference between the seven core GPU and and the eight core is minimal. And and the processor itself, like they did this when they compared, you know, the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro, like it's the same chip. It's just been binned differently. And, and binning means that um, if, a, if a chip doesn't meet the exact standards that uh, it's supposed to have, but it still works, then it can be lower clocked and, and sold as a lesser chip. So you'll oftentimes see like really high-end chips, like a, a binned version will be what is uh, sold as a lower level chip. Sometimes, obviously with Macs, you can't do it, but sometimes you'll see people who will then be able to overclock and kind of see if they can turn those bin chips into, you know, the, mm-hmm. the big things they were before. But in in this case, um, the downside with the 1299 model is that you get two fewer ports. Like it has the two um, USB 4 Thunderbolt 3 ports, but it only it doesn't have the, the two additional USB uh, 3 USB-C yep. ports on the back. And it doesn't have this Ethernet thing. So for me, it's almost like if you can pay the extra $200 to get those features, I feel like that is is really where it's at, right? Like, because yep. by the, like, I don't know, it, 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 it feels like you sell the 1299 one because you want to say that you have a $1,300 computer for sale. But if you're actually in the market for this and you're looking at wanting to keep this for, for five years or so, you should, if you can, if your budget at all allows it, get that other $200 and, and go for the 1499. And that's the thing that The Verge was saying in their review. They were like, if you just want a home computer to use for the next five to 10 years. And I was like, whoa, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, if if you really are planning to keep it that long, uh, which I imagine most people making an investment this uh, expensive would hope that they could keep it at least five years, um, if not more, then yeah, I, w- I would really splurge for, you know, having the full access to the full color range, having the Ethernet port, having all mm-hmm. of the USB-C ports. Oh, and also the, the Touch ID on the yes. keyboard. Yes. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Love it. Um. So in terms of camera, speakers, screen, mics, I'm not going to really touch on those. They're all better. That's all you need to know. My final question or thought for you, Christina, is in terms of the old iMac, if if you're not doing, I actually, you know, yeah, even if you are doing something intense like video editing like I'm doing right now, would you, if you had to, buy that older model right now or would you wait for presumably the M2 coming in who knows when. <sighs> That's really hard. That's really hard. I, normally, I would say, wait. Uh, there was a Bloomberg article from uh, Mark Gurman this week that suggested that they are still a ways off on the successor at the bigger iMac, that they'd apparently paused it mm-hmm. uh, while they could finish some other things. Uh, who knows how far along or, or it is or isn't. But if it was going to be, let, let's say this way, if it's going to be another year, I would I would seriously consider looking at the Intel iMac that's available right now if you're needing to do more serious video work. The reason being, well, actually, then it also just depends on what you have. Mm-hmm. If you really need something and you're going to need something powerful to edit video and, and do like a lot of 4K stuff and whatnot, I, I still think that the only thing that Apple has in its, in its wheelhouse is um, the Intel machines yeah. um, for the really high-end stuff. That said... It might be worth waiting until September to see if they can release like the 16-inch MacBook successor. And if they had that that has a more powerful chip and could do more stuff, then maybe that's what you get and and you just don't wait for an iMac. Um, If you need something, you need it. I I do feel like the the 27-inch is not a bad machine. 
Um, it's using, you know, the, the chip that it's using is is not demonstrably different from the current Intel chip. Mm-hmm. The graphics card, given the GPU shortage that we've had, is actually better spec than what you can get on, a, on on most systems that are comparably priced just because of how crazy the GPUs are right now, if you can even find a GPU uh, in, in a PC equivalent system. It has decent I.O. Um, so, but you are, of course, buying into essentially like a platform that Apple's like we're committed to to M1. So mm-hmm. you, you kind of have a, t- a t- that's a hard question. I don't it know. Is. I would, it's a hard life really out hard. there. No, I, I would say this. <laughs> This is what I would say. I would I would consider seeing if you could find one pre-owned or refurbed. That would be my advice on that end. And then maybe um, sell it uh, or, you know, write it off in some other way if that's what you needed it for. But it's hard for me to yeah. recommend somebody buying an Intel Mac today, even though I think that Knowing for that some use case. Right. Even though I think in some cases, like, I don't regret buying mine at all. Um, and, and I'm actually like feel like my my decision a year ago has been like reinforced with with the machines that Apple has already come out with like I feel like my decision was reinforced but I have my year of you know yeah. uh, like investment into it buying it now I don't know it's, you this, might not necessarily but fortunately right. we don't live in that alternate universe Hey, listeners, speaking of the bifurcation of Apple's products with their chips, Uh. we'll get to that in a minute. But first, (laughs) yeah, we have another story about it. Uh, But first, I have to tell you that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by ExpressVPN. I don't know if you know this, but by default, Netflix hides thousands of shows and movies based on your location. Uh, If you listen to podcasts or watch YouTube videos, you probably know it. But come on, take it seriously. You might be aware that Netflix has actually recently increased their prices again. If you want to feel like you're getting your money's worth with your Netflix subscription, you can start using ExpressVPN. You see, you might not know that what's on Netflix in your country is completely different from what someone in the UK or Japan has on theirs. Using ExpressVPN, I can control which country I want Netflix to think I'm in. ExpressVPN has over 90 countries to choose from, so every time I run out of stuff to watch, just switch over to another country and unlock new shows. And here's the best part. It's not just Netflix. You can use ExpressVPN to unlock shows on other streaming services too. You can also use it to watch BBC iPlayer, which is free and only available in the UK. And it's so important. ExpressVPN is also super fast and works on your phone, laptop, even smart TVs. So you can watch your shows on the big screen with zero buffering. I actually just was watching uh, Smokey Glow's YouTube channel, and she has been watching Naruto with her husband, and they ran out of episodes of Naruto and then realized, like, oh, no, there are more, but they're on, like, Netflix Canada or something. So they switched over to Netflix Canada, and they were allowed to watch the rest of Naruto, which I, I feel instinctively that this is something that should be interesting to our listeners. We should all watch Naruto in 2021. Mm-hmm. I think it will make us a better society. (laughs) You can make the smart choice to stop paying full price for streaming services and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Uh, Thanks, licensing. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash rocket. Don't forget to use that link so you can get three extra months free. 
That's expressvpn.com slash rocket. Expressvpn.com slash rocket to learn more. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for support of this show and Relay FM. You. Thank you so much. Alrighty. Exciting news for Apple Music subscribers. With no upgrade in price, still paying $9.99 a month, Apple Music users are getting a sort of free quality upgrade to lossless music with spatial audio and Dolby Atmos support. So starting in June, 20 million songs will be available in the lossless format starting on day one. The other 55 million of the total 75 million uh, that will be available by the end of the year, according to Apple. Uh, these lossless songs will be playable on AirPods and Beats with the H1 or W1 chip, as well as the built-in speakers on your iPhone, iPad, or Mac. What they will not be playable on <laughs> are the AirPods Max, uh, which will support a version of lossless audio with the uh, when it's plugged into the phone. But uh, it will still have to, it, it can't be called like truly lossless, quote unquote, because it still has to be converted from an analog format to a digital format or vice versa. Uh-huh. Um, So somehow the $500 plus brand new over ear headphones that Apple has put out just this year uh-huh. will not support this wonderful new lossless audio. Or which the kind spatial of audio. Like the, yeah, in spatial audio, which kind of seems like the sort of thing that somebody who invested in specifically over-ear headphones might care about. Yeah. Um, I'm a little p- I have to say, as somebody who bought the AirPods Max, and they're fine. I haven't felt like they were worth the... Um, $550, and I, I've said that before. Now that I've actually taken them on an airplane... I can say definitively that my fear that they would not be good travel headphones is 100% accurate. Uh-oh. Um, they are not good travel. So actually, let me go on a rant on that first yes, before we talk about do. this other stuff. Because this is like a little mini review update, and I actually should write something, but um, we all know that I always promise to write things, and then I don't. So yeah. I'll talk about it instead. Um, okay, so if you were buying the, the AirPods uh, uh, Max and, and your idea was these are going to be really, really good air, um, you know, headphones for the plane, They're not for a few reasons. One, um, (laughs) how do I put this? The battery life is not awesome if you're on a long haul flight. If you're on a shorter flight, it's fine. But the battery life is not going to be like if you're going from the United States to Australia, for instance, or if you're going like to Singapore or if you're going to the UAE, like if you're on these ultra long haul flights, the AirPods Max battery life will not get you through uh, a single leg. Um, It... uh, and, and, you know, to be fair, you're usually going to be sleeping on those flights anyway, so it's not like you need to have them on all the time. But I point this out because the Air, the um, the Bose and the Sonys that are $200 less uh, and often e- available even cheaper because they have sales and whatnot have, you know, 30, 40-hour battery life. So that is, I think, an issue. The bigger thing, and I pointed this out when we talked about my AirPods after I got them in January – the way that they're designed, they don't really fold up. So, like, the case they come with is horrible. And and I mm-hmm. think I said that, like, whatever intern or whoever, like, designed <laughs> it, you know, should be fired. And I stand by that. The case is terrible. Uh, the battery life, I should also note, because there's not an off button, the battery life I've noticed over the last few months is it has gotten better. They issued a firmware update that substantially made it lose less battery life, which is good. 
But because there's not an off button, they drain power all the time. And so it's one of those Mm. things where if, you know, you you can't just like leave them off and then go to them and be like, oh, they're going to have a charge. Um, like you can with your, your Sony's or your bows where, yeah, they might've lost half the battery, but you can plug them in and whatnot. No, it's like, no, if you, if you don't use them so much. Yeah. It it means basically if you leave them for a week and, and this is even after the firmware update that fixed a lot of things, but if you leave them for a week and you come back, those things are dead period. Like there's, there's no way around that. So that's frustrating. Um, but the case is really poorly designed. They don't fold up. And then that mesh top as I said before, like I would feel really uncomfortable putting it in a bag. Like I would be like, I'm afraid that something in my bag is going to either smush this or break through this or something else because they're not foldable. And the case that it comes with doesn't protect the headband. So, you know, it just, it, it just kind of like a, you know, a bra for the ear cups. So uh, you don't have a lot of protection. Whereas mm-hmm. the, the Sony and the, the Bose both fold up, the Bose fold up even more than the Sony's do, but the Sony's come with a nice hard case which, you know, will fit in a bag and will, will, you know, hold up against, you know, being crushed and whatnot. Whereas like these, they're not going to. Yeah. The third thing is uh, the lack of a headphone jack is, is an issue. So you can buy the $40 cable, which I did for the lightning to, to three and a half millimeter jack thing. Here's the problem with that. A, it's, it's easy to forget. I forgot mine. I forgot to bring it with me uh, when I went to Atlanta last week. Um, and that meant that when I was on my flight, which... I specifically chose the plane that had the lay flat uh, business class seats, even though it was a domestic flight, because I used some of my upgrade certificates and it was long flights. And I was just like, I and I have certificates to burn. I wanted that. Issue with that is if you're in a business class seat, and these are, to be clear, not that you couldn't enjoy these in coach or anything else, but these are really, especially the price point, these are things that premium travelers are going to want. Those earphone jacks, like the, the headphones in those seats are dual prong. They're not single prong, meaning you need to have an adapter anyway. So even if I'd remembered <sighs> the three and a half millimeter cable, which I didn't, I forgot it, I wouldn't have been able to use them anyway because it doesn't have an ad- I would have had to also have remembered an adapter. Yeah. The Sony's and the Bose come with the adapter in the box and it stores it in the case. So it's one of those things you don't have to forget about. People are like, oh, we'll use use a, an iFly and uh, which was 12 South Maze, which is like a Bluetooth adapter. Again, great idea. And if you're in a tr- traditional like domestic seat, and you can use Bluetooth. Um, uh, Jane Wong um, on uh, Twitter pointed out that in some countries, you're not allowed to use Bluetooth on planes. It is like a jurisdictional thing. So that's an issue. Um, in that case, like, again, if you're in a business class seat, you can't use those dongles because you still, unless you have one of those adapters. So for me, I was able to use them on my flight, but I couldn't use them to watch any of the in-flight entertainment stuff. So I had to have the crappy you know, your headphones that they have like around my neck, as well as my, my AirPods, you know, if I wanted to watch a movie or a bad TV show on the flight, um, it, you know, it, you had to switch what back I'm and forth. What I'm getting from so. this, like even aside from like the inconvenience of that is that there's a lot of things that you need to think about, like having the cable, having the adapter, knowing mm-hmm. whether Bluetooth is allowed or not. Like that's, that's a lot to think about to use a, what, $579 pair of headphones? $550 pair of headphones. $550 exactly. pair of headphones. Exactly. Especially when the the competition are all really good at those things and they and cost more $200 less. <laughs> and they have more battery and they cost $200 less. So uh, putting aside any of the discussion about who has better audio, if you are using these for travel and that is the primary thing you're thinking about doing, 
no, I, 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 these are not what I would recommend. Are they going to be terrible, you know, for travel? No, of course not. They're, they're going to be fine. The noise canceling is really good. Are they the best you can do? No, they're not because they, they miss out on who, the people who design them clearly didn't design them, at least in my opinion, if they did design them for travel, then wow, I want to have some conversations with how they travel because yeah. it doesn't fit any of the things you can do. Like, because some people were trying to like argue with me on Twitter about this and, and look, people are welcome to have their own opinions and I'm far from like right on everything, but I feel like I have a certain level of expertise at this point on, um, like travel tech yeah. and, and, it, you know, I've done enough long haul flights, like ultra long haul flights to know like what's going to work and what doesn't, and this doesn't work. So that's my rant on those. They're still good headphones. Although at this point, knowing that they, I don't understand how you can launch a high-res music service, $550 headphones. Like, look, the regular AirPods and AirPods Pro not working, fine. I get it. I don't expect that. And then being like, oh, well, our bit rate is so high that Bluetooth can't do it. First of all, if you used a different codec, you could get a lot closer. Would you be able to reach that 24-bit, you know, uh, 48 hertz? No, you wouldn't, but you could get um, what would still be considered high-res um, or no, you'd be able to do like, uh, you'd be able to do the 48 Hertz. You wouldn't be able to do the 92 uh, mm-hmm. kilohertz, but you'd be able to like get really close with, um, like Sony can with, with their, the codec that they use. Um, Apple chooses to use a different codec and their AAC codec for Bluetooth doesn't allow them to go that high of the bandwidth wise. So that's on them first of all, but here's the thing that pissed me off. Remember that $40 cable that I hate that I forgot? Yep. Okay, so that $40 cable has a DAC built into it, which is a, a, a digital audio converter. In theory, that should allow me to have the bandwidth to do this, this lossless audio, right? Nope, they're like, no, it can't do it. What the hell? Like, why, why, why would you put out $550 premium headphones and be like, oh, by the way, you yeah. can't use this to listen to our music. Also, what's screwed up is that if you connected this, and people have done this, they've connected their headphones, you know, the cables to a DAC, and they've listened to high-res audio that they've downloaded off of other services, and it plays. And, and I don't know if people have done substantial tests, but, uh, you know, it seems to be good. Is it is going to be as good as, like, a dedicated pair of, like, uh, Sennheisers or, or some other really high-end, like, open-back headphones? No, but, you know, it, it does a good job from a wired perspective. So this is just... I can understand if you want to make the argument, oh, well, our quality is not good enough for wireless, but wired, you can still do this. But to be like, no, we just don't support it, and we're not going to support this Dolby Atmos stuff, what the hell? It's very weird. It is very weird. And as you, as you said, it's an issue uh, between the AAC codec and the ALAC codec, which stands for Apple Lossless Audio Codec. Um, I do not know enough about the technicals to know why... But I do feel I <laughs> it's yet another example of what appears from the outside to be people not having their ducks in order in within Apple in terms of releasing products and services. Like this has happened before, right? Where something yep. has come out and then almost immediately something else has made that new thing, that new always expensive thing, because everything from Apple is expensive, because ostensibly quality has made that new expensive thing look less shiny and become less worth it because of the existence of the new thing. And uh, (laughs) this is a particularly uh, dramatic example of that, I feel. Yeah. And I I should say too, you know, I've been a real like um, uh, wet blanket on the HomePod. 
uh, the HomePod can't support it yet either. And that seems even the most egregious, right? Because it's an AirPlay speaker and AirPlay is one of the, it's not Bluetooth. The whole thing is supposed to be higher bandwidth than Bluetooth and better than Bluetooth. So why the hell can't your, uh, you know, $370 or whatever, $350 speaker, I know that they sell it for $300 now, it's still too much money. Why can't that play your high res audio? Like what's up? Like this, this is like people have made this comment. I've seen it and it makes sense. It's like, okay, so none of your actual audio products that you sell We'll be able to play your high res lossless format because so, the Lightning port doesn't support digital audio formats. I don't know womp, what it is. It's just but that, whatever. that's according to whatever quote I copy and pasted. I think from iMore. <laughs> I mean, what, whatever the case is, it's just it seems silly to me that it's like okay, so you you sell very expensive speakers compared to everyone else on the market and headphones compared to everyone else on the market. And you're introducing this this high-res audio uh, lossless service, which, look, to be clear, the one thing I will say about this, this is great that they're not um, raising the price. Spotify charges more. Tidal yes. charges more. Amazon did, and, and this seemed like this was almost in response to Amazon's announcement, Amazon did announce that they'll be introducing a high-res tier that will also be the same price for their music unlimited customers. So I give them kudos for it not costing any more. Uh, I think that's really, really good. It seems odd to me, though, that you have these high-end audio things like the HomePod and like the AirPods Max that can't support all these features. Like, that just seems I, – I don't even know what to say there. Yep, that's very fair. Uh, hey, <laughs> we'll see what they do uh, in the future about this. But uh, you raise a really good point that uh, the service price is not upgrading, which I do think is cool. Um, it's just such a weird situation. Such a weird it situation. Is, it is. And and the thing is, I think I would be less uh, bitter about this. Are you having Let's another start. new thought about this? It's just one final thing. Okay. Give me the new thought. Okay. I wouldn't be as mad about this if I didn't feel so certain that they're just going to announce like a better version of AirPods Max that are better designed, that have an off button, that aren't crappy in all the ways that the current ones are, and that support the feature. Gosh, it, can we go full conspiracy for a second as I lean, yeah. as I try to sit up in bed and ruin the audio levels by getting really close to my mic? Please so do. if this is, as I think it is, an issue with um, like the codec and also what codecs the lightning port supports, the switch to USB-C, could that mm. potentially change everything? It could. If it they could. do that? I d- I don't know what the bandwidth differences are offhand between USB-C, which would be USB 3 and Lightning, but it, they, I mean, abs- it, it absolutely could. Interesting. Yeah. We'll keep an eye on it. Hey, folks, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Focused from Relay FM. If you like our show, there's a good chance you'll like Focused. Pure, undisturbed focus is something of a superpower these days, and it's one that I don't have. Especially with so many distractions, it is very hard to stay focused during work, doing your hobbies, or even just watching TV. If you've been meaning to get focused, this is the show for you, because hosts David Sparks and Mike Schmitz can show you how. Uh, Previous episodes of their show have included The Big Reset, which is all about making big workflow changes and setting new defaults, uh, as well as an episode with guest Brittany Smith on ADHD and cognitive science, which sounds super interesting. Uh, Get focused, because life is more than just cranking widgets. Go to relay.fm slash focused or search for focused wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thank you so much, pals. Uh, carry on focusing. I'm definitely going to check that out because I need that in my life. Yeah, I do too. I, I do too. I suffer real big every day. Um, we have one final brief topic today. And yes, it is an update from the Apple versus Epic trial. So if you've been keeping an eye on this on social media, you have probably noticed that a large part of the trial has revolved around the two sets of lawyers trying to define what games are because Apple, you know, Apple wants Fortnite to be a game because then they can say, hey, you're doing in-app purchases in this game. We don't allow that. Whereas uh, Fortnite wants to be maybe called an app (laughs) and have a a little more freedom, a little less of Apple's oversight because they're very uh, gripped up on what they do with games. Uh, Elizabeth Lopato on The Verge has an excellent piece. It's going to be in the show notes, basically going back and forth over day five of the trial specifically, uh, which is where the conversation about itch that we talked about last week was had. And this just really, really absurd back and forth that led Mm -hmm. to, of course, games being defined by Apple's lawyers as, as experiences that have a beginning and an end and challenges. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think last week I compared it to the in during the Clinton impeachment trial. You know the the uh, argument yes. over what the definition <laughs> of the word is is, which yes. is still hilarious. Yes, it's so funny. Um, but of course, this is as always having real consequences that are both mm-hmm. amusing and also kind of horrifying at the same time. So one of the things that's happened uh, is Roblox, which is a very very popular, gonna call it an experience. Uh, mm-hmm. For for young people, uh, which it's has, a game, Simone. It, okay, it's a game. I'm getting there. <laughs> is it a game? Is it an app? Is it an experience? Or is it a metaverse? Roblox is a platform that lets users create their own games, however they want to define that, and so you can pop into different users' games, worlds, whatever, and play them. And those might be experiences that fall under Apple's definition of games with a beginning end and challenges, or they might just be completely different experiences, open-ended experiences, whatever. Um, Roblox has gone through their website now <laughs> and changed all of the language, basically <laughs> excising <laughs> the word game from their whole website. So this from uh, The Verge's write-up of it, uh, the experiences were grouped under a tab called Games, which now reads Discover. The URL is still roblox.com slash games. Developers can create and manage, quote unquote, experiences, um, whereas formerly they could create and manage games. Uh, Games had a user limit called max players. Now that is max people. Um, So it's it's so weird. And even though we have not reached a verdict yet in this trial, we are seeing people who develop for Apple's platform trying to or or i guess needing to in this case curate what their experience is called to avoid being labeled a game because of the consequences that might come with that and epic of course would love for roblox to be called a game because roblox is by some definitions a storefront <laughs> whereby you right. can access games which is well, what right. the epic game store is so it's all just it's a mess it's a no, mess. It is. Well, no. And as you mentioned, like, because I think even according to Roblox's own things, like they have like 300 developers that all make over $100,000 a year on these 
experiences that mm-hmm. they sell through the app. And and so, and like Roblox is an awesome platform. And I think calling it a platform, which is a synonym for for game or anything else, frankly, I don't think that's a, a bad thing. Like, I think that that's exactly what mm-hmm. it is. And, and it's disingenuous to pretend like, like it's something different. Um, but uh, it, it's, yeah. So yeah, this is something, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, more, uh, in 2020, more than 300 of Roblox's developers earned around $100,000. So people are doing this from this thing, as you could say, a storefront. But this was a tweet that Matthew Ball, um, it sent out that he uh, retweeted from someone who said, here are all the changes I've seen recorded so far. And this is on the website. So games becomes experiences. Continue playing becomes continue. Friends yeah. playing becomes friends visiting. Games as a label on the top becomes discover. Join game becomes join. Playing becomes active. Wow. Like, like this is just hilarious. And it's very excessive. It's so funny. And, but I have to like wonder, this is like my conspiracy thing going like, um, does this even matter? Like, obviously, Roblox doesn't want to be hit by Apple, but it seems pretty clear to me Roblox has a different agreement with Apple than like Epic did. Like, I think that's what we've learned from this trial is that, and we've all, all we've always known this, but now it's like actually as part of discovery evidence, like it's an, it's a, you know, irrevocable you know, proof that Apple has a special relationships with some developers versus others. And that some developers get access to certain APIs and can be whitelisted to things. Some get access to certain experiences more and more support. Like that's just a fact. We've known this, but now this is actually part of discovery. And, you know, Epic and Apple used to have a good relationship and they don't anymore, clearly. Mm-hmm. But there's something that says to me, it would be, I, I I would wonder, especially given how huge Roblox is on iOS in a way that like Fortnite, it, also according to the evidence, like it was big, but it wasn't like that was the main place where it was making its revenue. It would be odd to me if Apple were like, yeah, we're now going to subject you to all the 30% stuff too, you know? Um, because it yeah. might just encourage Roblox to be like, well, screw you. We're not going to, you know, support the platform, which arguably I, I, maybe I'm wrong on this, but knowing the people who I know who have kids who are obsessed with Roblox, I feel like more people would be who are like iOS users would be turned off and, um, like verifiably angry if they couldn't play Roblox on their iPad than if they couldn't play Fortnite. Yes, I think that's probably true. It, I, I think where it becomes weird to me, uh, so I have a brief anecdote about Roblox. Uh, so one of the key back and forths in the trial on day five was, uh, I believe, Tristan Kosminka, Apple's marketing manager, saying erroneously that Roblox was classified as an app on the App right. Store. It's yes. a game. He was wrong about that, which is super embarrassing. And I believe, I'm trying to find the article where they talked about it. Yes, um, the same uh, marketing had Tristan Kosminka. Also, they had emails from him saying he was surprised that Roblox had been approved for the App Store because mm-hmm. of exactly these concerns at the time. And as you said, Christina, it's a relationship that is special in that somebody just decided we're either not going to deal with this right now or we're going to turn a blind eye to it. We're just not going to, there will be no consequences at this moment. But I I think it's so, one of the reasons that I'm kind of annoyed at this whole situation is that it's kind of been a meme in the game industry for a long time, like arguing about what is a game game actually? is. Is it play? Is it graphic? What is it? And this 
in a very real way is codifying on a huge level what a game is. And I don't know what the consequences of that could be, but it seems very wrong to let that word be defined Mm. by corporate lawyers who have a vested interest in trying to make another large company either pay money or not pay money to them. Like those aren't the people... I don't think there should, I don't think anyone should be deciding this conversation, but I really don't think it should be decided in this context. No, you know what? That is so well said. You're, I hadn't even thought of that, but you're exactly right. Because you're right. People for years have been arguing, like saying, oh, it's not a game. It's a walking simulator or it's, you mm-hmm. know, a story thing or that. And, and they've used it dismissively to critique and and frankly kind of undermine different types of stuff that and, and different game experiences that some people might really enjoy. And yeah, this does codify that. And it's, yeah, you're exactly right. Exactly what you said. If This shouldn't be decided by anybody, but let alone the corporate lawyers. And on that note, hey, what are you doing this week? So I'm getting ready for Microsoft Build. Um, also, uh, I sold a domain name. <gasps> oh, yes. I forgot that we wanted to talk about this. Yeah. So so, so uh, longtime listeners of the show may recall that during an episode in October of 2019, around the, the fall of WeWork, we uh, were reading about their, uh, like, what their S1 had said and, and what their mission statement was. And, and it was called like the energy of we was something that they had coined. <laughs> and during a sponsor read, I then bought energy of we.com. Well, lo and behold, somebody really wants energy of we.com. And so I sold it. I am so happy that not only <laughs> did your, did, did your supplementation of my beautiful ad reads, um, enrich our our listeners but it also enriched you in a very literal way it did and now that my doge dreams have dead like are dead like this is actually like take what you can get i i have to so i just have to say like that was really really funny the energy of we.com if you tune in like tomorrow because it's still in the in the transferring process it might still redirect to the rocket show but that's not going to be the case uh fairly uh, shortly i have no idea who bought it but um, uh, they they paid me um, a good price for it, and um, like I could buy a, bear, a pair of AirPods Max with it. So I was like, ah. you know what? Fine. We should talk Done. really quickly about our theories. So I, this is in no way confirmed. Absolutely not. However, they are making a WeWork movie theoretically. Yeah. So I think that's our our rolling theory is that maybe somebody wanted it for. I mean, movie. that would be my dream. That would be my honest dream would be that somebody would want it for that. Worst case like, scenario, purpose. another startup. <laughs> actually, Honestly, no, worst case scenario, WeWork is buying <gasps> it back. <laughs> actually, actually, that would be, I almost think that that would be my favorite of all the outcomes if, if WeWork was oh actually buying it Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So I'm putting the link in the show notes to just that episode of Rocket. Um, I'm also going to put energyofwe.com. And depending on um, when you listen to this, I don't know, it probably won't be totally updated tomorrow. But someday in the near future, energy of it will. Yeah, yeah, no, I because the the transfer process takes a little while. But um, as soon as that's done, I'm, I mean, I'm just really, really pleased with this. Uh, Usually my my ish posts are and, and like I buy domains, unrewarded all the time. unappreciated completely and usually it's one of those things where i'm like i renew them for a few years then i'm like christina what are you doing right 
And this is one that honestly I forgot that I bought until I got the email from like the 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 domain broker, and I was like, "Oh yeah, absolutely." The and then best I forgot to like you've ever made. Well, and then the, then the best thing is that that um I didn't uh, respond uh, quickly enough, and then they like up to the price to like what I was going to respond to, like say, "Oh, well, I want to see if they'll pay me this." Oh my goodness! And, when, and once they did without me being able to negotiate, I was just like done. So like. I, that that I probably could have negotiated for more. I didn't care. I was like, look, this is this is my wildest dreams come true. Yeah, that the, the one of with the with the one of uh, me, uh, you know, making light of like adding a denim. What did you call it? Supplementing your ad read. Um, yes, got a got us additional content. So I'm gonna be, keep an eye out to see eventually where this goes because honestly, even if it's just I have no idea who wanted this, but God bless them. Yep. It, it is yours. Yeah. So, so that's, um, that's what I'm doing this week. I'm crying over Doge, getting ready for build and hoping that more people want my bad domain names. I hope that too. Um, what about you, Simone? Oh gosh, I am, I'm just working on videos this week. I have a really, really, really exciting project, but I'm not going to be able to talk about it for a fair bit of time. Uh, but most excitingly, it potentially involves if I can get my budget approved Work travel. Nice. Yeah. Can you yeah. say like where you'd be traveling? I would be going to, oh, this actually, this will be a fun game. My ideal, my ideal will be traveling to LA and mm-hmm. Alexandria, Virginia. Mm-hmm. That will be if I get my maximum budget approved. So we'll find Interesting. out. Are, 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 are you doing something? Are you doing like some military psyop stuff? I don't know. Am I? <sighs> Would I be this bad me. a liar if I weren't? <laughs> or if I were? Hang on. Maybe. A anyway, I'm so su- I am. I have my fingers crossed. Uh, everyone knock on wood for me. We'll see. Um, yeah. But I, I think either way, even if I don't get to travel, I'm going to be – I'm just so excited about what I'm working on right now. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's good. And next week, it'll be me and Brianna while Christina is an, at Build, and that will be very exciting as well. Uh, Christina, in the meantime, hey, where can we watch you at Build and where can we find you online? So you can watch me at Build at mybuild.microsoft.com next week, 25th through the 27th. I'm hosting on the 27th, so tune in on the 27th. Um, it's like from like midnight Pacific to like 8 a.m. Pacific, so that's when my hosting schedule is. So if you're in Europe or Asia, um, Charles Tan, this is like the time zone for you. Mm-hmm. That's where I will be. Um, or if you just want to stay up late with me and the other cool people who have like that shift uh, and are closing out uh, the show uh, tune in. You can uh, find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at film underscore girl. I uh, will be uh, tweeting from um, build all the announcements, doing behind the scenes photos. And I'm actually getting back on a plane right after build ends. I'm going back to Atlanta um, over Memorial Day weekend to spend more time with my nephew. Oh, yay. So, so more baby photos are going to be coming to the to the Graham and the and the Graham stories. Uh, so uh, sorry if people don't like the baby content. Totally get it. But um, I I want to see my my baby nephew and and uh, he's super cute. So those things will be online. I can't wait to very likely be shocked at how much bigger he's gotten. Yeah, it's I nuts. Know. How what they what they're oh what they do that growing thing messed up. 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and my videos are at youtube.com slash polygon. Uh, we had a great one go up Wednesday this week um, from a new series that Jenna's producing called Versus, which is just basically about the inflection points when the history of video games could have changed completely. And this one is about whether Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest would hit bigger in the West. And it, it's mostly about Final... Like, what if Final Fantasy bombed? That's the question. <laughs> oh, that's really <laughs> interesting. So, I think you would really like it. It's super, super fun. Uh, Pat wrote this one. Pat wrote and researched it with a lot of uh, additional support from Jenna, who is show running, and then Clayton edited it. And if you know anything about Clayton's editing, it is just the most spectacular, succulent delight. Uh, so please do go check that out at youtube.com slash polygon. Um, and check Christina out at Build next week. Yes. And on that note, hey, leave us a review. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs> <laughs>